Everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon, and with me today I just have Woody. Woody, it's just you and me. It is Damo. It is. Uh, you've you've returned from from Bali with the girlfriend. How was the trip? Yeah, it was good, mate. I tried to watch as much Premier League as I could. Nice little bar next door, so that was nice. Nice. Got wa- nice. Watch a few games, but yeah, was, uh, the games are at a little bit better time in Bali, especially the um, like Saturday night games start about seven o'clock. So have a nice feed. And watch Tottenham lose 3-0 to Brighton. Mate, pretty grim with the Lloris injury, I'll tell you what. And today we've done a little bit of like-for-like swap. Like you said, Sammy is out for today. Uh, and I want, mate, like-for-like may be a little bit generous, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the knowledge, Should I be offended? The knowledge, the knowledge will be a little bit stronger maybe this uh, this week, knowing that you've you've actually watched a few games as well. <laughs> Uh, I won't lie, it was probably a bit, a bit difficult with Sammy. Uh, Sammy, I know you'd probably be listening to this one, but... Um, oh, no, I of course I listened in after the fact, and I thought you guys did reasonably well. <laughs> I mean, I did hear uh, Sam say that Jesse Lingard could have benefited from going on loan. I'm pretty sure he was on loan from like the the age of 18 to like 22. But anyway, we'll let that one slide. Yeah, he did actually go through four different teams. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think we might have to bypass that, uh, that comment from Samuel. Anyway, Woody... Do we want to stop yapping because we've got lots and lots and lots of stuff to talk about. We're talking about more games than we ever have before, I think, we, this week. We are. So I think uh, we'll jump straight into the weekend results. So first thing, uh, Brighton opened the weekend with a 3-0 win against Spurs. West Ham lost to Palace 2-1. Watford drew nil all with Sheffield United. Norwich suffered an absolute beating from Aston Villa 5-1. Liverpool... Late, late penalty. Late penalty. to uh, Was it a penalty, though? We'll get to that. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, to beat Leicester 2-1. Burnley down Everton 1-0. Newcastle faced a loss against... Oh, face, sorry. Beat Man United 1-0. <laughs> Southampton lost to Chelsea 4-1. Wolves shocked City 2-0. And Arsenal down Bournemouth 1-0. Damon, what was your take for the week? My take with it was that Manchester is an absolute... Turmoil at the moment. They're really struggling, both clubs. The well, city is in flames. Uh, Liverpool, well, pretty much if I had to sum up the the whole round in a sentence, it would be everyone sucks except for Liverpool. Is that fair enough? Mm, yeah, I'd say so. And I'd probably say Arsenal were lucky to get away with some points from that game as yeah, well. Although, as we said, it was you know they're starting to grind out some results, Arsenal. And, and they've gone under the radar for the last two or three weeks. And again, I don't think we're going to go too much into them today, which is probably a good thing because it means they haven't choked or bottled any chances. So. Yeah, we have chatted about them a fair bit. But one team we actually haven't chatted that much about this season and they deserve a bit of a chat this week following their pretty poor result is Tottenham, isn't it, Damo? Mate, they are by far... like. Them and Man United away from home is an absolute disgrace. Like these, we'll talk about Tottenham specifically for now. The players they have in their squad compared to Brighton to lose three nil, and it wasn't just a three nil loss. It wasn't a smash and grab. Brighton dominated, especially the first half. Tottenham had one shot on target for the whole uh, first half, and that was a half-hearted shot from outside the box from Ericsson, which was never going in, especially past Matty Ryan. <laughs> The Australian man, he has been a bull in the last few weeks. Mate, him, if talking, speaking of Australians, Aaron Moy, man of the match for mine. Other than the the, uh, the young man, Aaron Connolly, who scored two goals on his full Premier League debut at 19 years of age, but Aaron Moy was unbelievable. Even uh, Brighton chucked out a tweet, I think, over the weekend, just saying like this man with like an Aussie flag, and it's just like the, yes, the ball Jesus was an absolute shepherd. <laughs> playing with his sheep on the weekend, far out. It was his paddock, and he was dominating, wasn't he? He sure was, but we did speak about Matty Ryan, but the, down the other end, Lloris, wasn't his best day and wasn't his longest day. <clears throat> no, it wasn't, Damo. He was uh, he was out after how many minutes? Was it nine minutes? Yeah, I think, I think it was eight, which was the s- fastest goalkeeper substitution since Lloris, which happened a couple of years ago as well. So mm. And pretty, pretty bad on his behalf. We'll go with the error first. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for his error, he probably would not have been injured. That, that's, that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And and I think his for the morale of Tottenham, his injury 
has I've never seen a team look more defeated from a player getting injured than what Tottenham did on the weekend. Uh, it shook the confidence of that already depleted confidence, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, 100%. I think after that first goal went in and and Gazanega came into the side, they just looked a shell of what they what they usually do. And I think that speaks volumes, especially about this Tottenham team and where they are, not, not in terms of squad depth because we know they have a strong squad, but mentally talking, they, they are a shell. And they look they don't look like they have the confidence to compete top six anymore, do they? Especially even to the extent that they did last season. Well, we've spoken about this so, so much already this season. I think every team that loses over a weekend and you know, we we obviously reactively say, Oh, that team is gonna really struggle to make top four. Like it is only eight eight weeks into the season. But I think Tottenham are benefiting hugely from the fact that, you know, Palace sit sixth, Leicester sit third. Like these teams, <clears throat> no one wants that um, to grab that top four spot. And look, when you can see three goals to Brighton, you're clearly out of form. I don't care which way you look at it. They've been really poor, but this Larice injury is just going to add uh, salt to the wound purely because, I mean, we talked about it uh, earlier this year about how they conceded over 50 shots on goal when they faced Arsenal and City combined. And we spoke about, and Larice was our goalkeeper of this season after the first month. So when you when you take into all this into account, Tottenham have got some serious uh, issues now because their defense has already been poor, and now their keeper, as you said, Woody, are not instilling the team with a lot of confidence. No, not at all. And th- their their attitude was absolutely horrible. And we've t- it's been a lot of. A lot of uh, articles in the press, and it's been widely talked about through the pundits um, looking at the games, is that Tottenham, Tottenham, they don't have the right attitude on the pitch. And you can really tell because they're not pressing. Clearly something's going on behind the scenes. And, and there are so many rumors as well. Yeah, we, in, we heard Sam's hot gossip last yeah, week. Yeah, well, I don't know if that was accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but look, um, you know, there's clearly jealousy regarding wages. We've seen Harry Kane, Ali... Uh, and Sissoko Penn, uh, you know, large deals. And no wonder Ericsson, Vertonghen and Danny Rose have all uh, refused to commit their futures because... Why would you? It seems like the players aren't trusted from Poch. Yeah. And that's it's it's pretty damning to say that considering how, how good of a manager he is and how highly regarded he is as well in the Premier League. But far out, they, they as the Tottenham team, are toothless. They are completely toothless because when the going gets tough, the best teams... And we look at Liverpool, we look at Liverpool, they put their heads down and grind out results. Now, losing... Even even their North London uh, neighbours are starting to do it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, looking... Lloris went down and he... Probably him and Kane, I'd say, are their best two players. I'd say Ericsson on his day is probably... Yeah, on his day. But currently, in form, Lloris and Kane are probably the best two they had in the side. Yep. And the two capable of... Probably changing the match and, and, and deciding the way it was going to go. All right. Now, after Larice went down, you could see the failure that came over the players. It was like a wave. Everyone dropped their heads. Everyone dropped their heads. And for me, for me, I'd say this is the end of this Tottenham team as a group. And unfortunately, probably Pochettino as well. They, really? You're the, going that, you're going I, that I'm going that far because if you look at the plays they've got, they have got some of the best players in the world, hands down. No no argument about it. Ericsson, probably one of the best attacking mids in the world, linked with the best teams in the world. Yeah. Kane, he has been argued to be the best number nine, probably Lewandowski and Suarez aside, maybe in the last few years, probably top five number nines in the world. Yeah, uh, Tottenham probably thankful that Harry Kane's English because the English players really... Venture overseas. Exactly. So, so they might have a little bit more luck keeping yeah, him, and, you and, think. And if anything, it probably sheds light as to why Trippier was so eager to get out of that Tottenham team. Yeah, for and sure. Everyone questioned it was a weird move, England man lo- moving overseas, but it, it's probably shedding light that their dressing room attitude and, and the general vibe of that club is, is pretty down. Well, they are missing him in that right-back position because... Woody, obviously, we both watched the game and we both agreed. Like, we were talking over Messenger and we both 
pretty much at the same time, we're just like, why is Suzuko the one whipping in crosses into the box? Now, we can sit here and say Tottenham's uh, confidence and their attitude's poor. But tactically, how did they lose 3-0 to Brighton, Woody? Oh, t- to be honest, mate, it's, it's pretty perplexing watching it. And like you said, we both said the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Because to see Suzuko whipping in balls... From the right, it was it was to, ridiculous to, to guys to like Lucas and Min Song. I know Lucas was probably the game was over by the time he came on, but you know what I'm saying. Like Suzuko needs to be in that in that box. He's a big body. He's a presence. Exactly. What's he doing out in the right wing? Well, it's funny because if you look at the way Tottenham defend, and we talked about this actually as their strength a few weeks ago when they were playing Arsenal, mm-hmm. because the way Arsenal pressed with the midfielders pushing out wide in Guendouzi and Torreira. Yep. It left the middle to be occupied by Lucas, Kuming Sun, Harry Kane, and Ericsson. Yep. Now, that means it showed. We've seen it the whole season. The way Tottenham defend and the way they attack is exactly the same. They're very rigid in their play and narrow style. Mm-hmm. So for them, being coming up against a side who have attacking threat in the wings... Uh, being Brighton, they looked extremely exposed. They did. And and Sissoko had to drift out wide to cover the wide men because the attackers were playing so narrow, including Ericsson, that there was just no cover. So they just left left, left so explo- exposed, so acres of space on the, on the widths. Yeah. And so it, it just dragged out the whole Tottenham team, which meant they couldn't attack and they couldn't defend the way they wanted to. And I think it has a little bit to do with, like, Deli Alli's form has hurt Tottenham a lot more than maybe people thought because you look at Christian Eriksen and we talk about him being one of the top attacking mids in the world. In saying that, though, he's probably not the guy you expect running box-to-box making uh, last-ditch challenges to save the day. Deli Alli, on the other hand's work rate is a lot higher than Christian Eriksen's, and although he might not be as talented and as, as skilled on the ball and might not even create as many chances, if, if Deli Alli's in form running hard and on the pitch, Suzoko's workload is halved, and he, he's then allowed to become, get in better positions, and it works for both ways. Ali can get in better, better positions, Suzoko can get in better positions, and it's harder to defend a less predictable team. Tottenham was so predictable because it was the same players in the same positions in the box over and over and over again. And so I think it, we've spoken about it that uh, once one player becomes a liability or you know needs help, it has a ripple effect on the rest of the team. And I think Tottenham are really struggling. Uh, they're, not be- they're not coping with the fact that a few players are out of form. They've been consistent for so long after the last two seasons, but the uh, wheels might be falling off. Yeah. So just, just quickly before we move on, their backup keeper, Paolo Gazzanega, who came on. I've done a bit of research heading into his past because he's not someone that we've seen very much in the league considering how strong uh, Lloris has been in the last few years. Yep. Now... Paolo Gazzaniga, he concedes 70% of the games he's played, gives away an average of 1.2 goals per game where he's conceded. (laughs) In his 27 EPL appearances, he's kept a clean sheet only four times and gives away an average of 1.4 goals per game in the league. Yep. Now, for a Tottenham team that is defensively rigid, defensively weak, clearly has issues in the That average is only going to go up, isn't it? That average is only going to go up. Because you come in, his first game in... He's come in and he's conceded two goals already. Yeah. What does that say? Well, mate, they've got no confidence Especially whatsoever. that third goal that uh, Connolly scored, Alderweireld was isolated. He was poor. But as a keeper, like, I just thought he had to do a little bit better in covering that far post. I know it was a, it was a very, very typical attack the isolated defender, go for the far post. Look, it's difficult to save, but I just thought maybe Floris was there. That different story. Different story, and you know who knows? Maybe Tottenham could have come back into the game, but I think that's not where it was won and lost. Where it was won and lost was what we just talked about: uh, their positional awareness, their structure, the way they attacked, and yeah. So I'm pretty much happy to just conclude Tottenham season there. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, that's probably where we'll leave it. No doubt, we'll, we'll talk about them later on in the season. As I'm sure there'll be plenty of contention about yeah. what their results are going forward. But it's also interesting to see if they lose anyone in January after this start. But it'd be interesting to see if they pick up anyone in January because if Lurice is out for a while, they might have to look for a backup keeper. Yeah, especially like it's not like you can play with a, uh, you know, slightly even. You can't bring Lurice back too early. No. They can't risk it. No way. Uh, so another team that is absolutely firing and shows a lot of heart. Yeah, is Liverpool. And they uh, actually face Tottenham in a few weeks, and that could be well grim. 
Yeah, look, that's uh, probably <laughs> shaping up to be a bit of a belting there. But they didn't cop a belting on the weekend, did they, Damo? They did not. And Liverpool, it was one of the more intriguing uh, games for Liverpool I've, I've seen. Because I, I spoke about it a few, like two weeks ago with Chelsea when they beat Chelsea 2-1. And this had a, lo- a very similar vibe about it. Uh, Leicester defended incredibly well. And they showed why they're one of the top teams in the Premier League at the moment. I know Liverpool had about eight shots on target. But I thought... The way Leicester defended with last-ditch blocks, I thought it was one from Evans, which was massive, and I thought Liverpool were about to go 2-0 up. There were lots of other little pieces of play where Schmeichel was forced into a save right at him. Oh, they weren't easy saves, but all he had to do was just get his body behind it. And I thought the shots on target stats probably didn't do Leicester justice in how well they defended, and they deservedly equalised, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, but did they deserve to lose? Well, this is this, this is interesting because... It depends how you look at it, because Brendan Rodgers said they deserved more from the game. Klopp does, said that Liverpool deserves to win. I think... Are you getting at the penalty here, Woody? Uh, look, I, can, I agree it was uh, probably a foul, but I think in the context of the game, considering um, that it, it definitely wasn't a light-hearted game, there was a few heavy challenges in there as well. Uh, I, look, I can't... Uh, it's rough because any other day you'd say, yes, happy for a penalty. But, but because of the, the situation, yeah, the I, title race, everything about yeah, it. Yeah. Personally, I'd like to say no, because considering he, he didn't actually push He fell Mane after the over. fact for mine. Mane went down after the fact. But that's stando, standard source being put on the, by the player. Yeah, I know. I feel like if, if that happens in the middle of the ground, you, you give the foul. But I think, I think a good way to answer this would be... If it had to be reviewed by VAR, what could you see the decision being? Well, see, this is where I want wanted to quickly talk about. VAR did nothing wrong. VAR did the right thing. That, there was definitely not enough evidence to say that that was a poor refereeing decision and it needed to be turned around. VAR can't do anything in that position. There's contact. Once there's contact, VAR almost become you know irrelevant because the whole point of VAR is to get rid of the howler and a small other amount of things. But at the end of the day, that's that's still the referee's decision. And I actually quite like it because it means we can have discussions like this as well. You know, the, the guy, people in pubs should be talking about this stuff, you know, forever. Like, we should never take away that aspect of the game. I think it's great. But I'm going to go ahead and say it, it shouldn't have been a penalty. I agree, I agree with you. But any ref that doesn't give that, it takes balls to not give that. Yeah. It also takes balls to give it, but I think it took. It would have taken more balls to not give it because I think if... I reckon it's genuinely 50-50 split mm. between who thinks it's a penalty and who thinks it's not. So the backlash would have been exactly the same. We'd be talking about it just in the yep, other way around. That, in that Liverpool probably should have got three points. Yeah. So, you know, like, I, I think it's great that we discuss these things. I think it wasn't a penalty. Woody, you said it... You think it shouldn't have been given? Shouldn't have been a penalty. Shouldn't have been a penalty. But I'm sure people on the other end of the stick would be saying that every day of the week it is a penalty. Yeah, I, I I was actually listening to the uh, Liverpool commentary, you know how like L- Liverpool TV and all their commentators straight away were just like, that's a clear penalty, clear penalty. So it's just it's just the the fun of football, isn't it, Woody? Like it is. It's it just is. like everyone has passion their, of the game. Like you can't blame people, especially Liverpool fans, for thinking it's a penalty. Hell, they probably their biggest concern is they deserve to win the game. They take three points. They're undefeated. And eight points clear. Yeah, well, they, they, they find ways to win, don't they? And yeah. we see it's the second week in a row that they've found a way to win. And I think one of Liverpool's big things recently, um, you know, showing that Allison had been out, and, and we've seen Virgil van Dijk potentially take them to the next level. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it might be just me, and I know they haven't kept clean sheets in a while. Yeah, they've actually been not that good. Exactly. But Allison is back. I reckon he's back after the international break or a week later. Yeah, I've got to sort out my fantasy Premier League. <laughs> it just like shows how far Liverpool have come as a team that they can now win with goalkeeper errors. You know, de- defensively, Van Dijk and um, they had to play Lovren because Matip's injured at the moment. And so there's suddenly like these guys that used to be, you know, we've all heard the Lovren jokes about him being a liability for Liverpool. Suddenly, you know, they're beating arguably the third best team in the league. Um, with him in the side, and it just shows that the development of Trent Alexander-Arnold's another one, who, who his I defensive actually, game w- has to, gone to a new level for I, one. I want to talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold for a little bit, because anyone that tuned into the game would have seen the amount of space James Madison lent him on the right flank. Yeah. Now, Trent Alexander-Arnold, he is undoubtedly one of the best crosses in the league and distributors from defense. 
Now, we know what he can do I, defensively. I'd actually say he's the best passer of the ball other than Kevin De Bruyne in the league. Really? Yep. Well, there you go. It's... No one can hit a ball like Alexander-Arnold can. Well, I'll tell, I tell you what. I'll tell you what. Brennan Rodgers, we, we know tactically that he's very sound. Yep. And he's, he's an amazing manager in his own right. But for the life of me, I could not understand why and how he let Trent Alexander-Arnold have so much space on the right. Because looking at the stats alone, looking at the stats alone, Alexander-Arnold had 112 touches. <laughs> That's ridiculous for Four, a right back. 42 passes in the opposition half. That's almost 50%, <laughs> right? And he created five chances for the game, more than anyone else on the pitch. Now, James Madison, we, we've talked about him in previous weeks. We know how much he loves to cut in. Yeah, the and, inverted and, winger sort of attacking exactly, midfielder and, and, role. And sit in the hole behind Vardy. Yep. But with that being said, defensively, he was nowhere. I think and, Perez needs to play a role in that as well. He's another one that's not the biggest worker defensively. So it's a big call to play Perez away from home against Liverpool. And I think it well, showed he, a little bit. Yeah, he, he, did, he did come on for, for Barnes. Yep. Uh, and I think when Perez did come on, though, he, he did he did create... Oh, he got the assist. Yeah, he did. He did. And I, I think that came down to more the change of formation than maybe Perez's inclusion because um, the way Leicester were playing with the inverted wingers, they, they weren't defending very well and it exposed their midfield. So I think um, when they you were... You could understand why Barnes started though. Oh, I, I think, oh, 100%. 100%. And I don't think it worked as well as Rodgers would have liked. Still worked. They were still in the game. But um, yeah, I think... You can definitely understand why Roger started started him. Yeah, 100%. But when Perez came on, they changed to a 4-3-1-2. So yeah. engaging the two strikers sitting on Van Dyke and Lovren. And that's what, we did, that's what we've discussed as well. In the, I think I, I mentioned it last week um, that when you play Liverpool, you have to isolate the defenders. Because because Robertson and because um, Alexander-Arnold push up so far, if you isolate Van Dijk and you isolate Lovren, I know it was Matip in the last previous weeks, but if, if you make them accountable, it, it, you're not necessarily forcing an error, but you're pushing the line back and you're forcing the fullbacks to restrict their attacking capabilities. Now, when Perez came on, uh, Madison occupied the space behind Perez and Vardy, yep, yep, yep. and, and it, it was Perez that gave Madison the goal. Because... Mm. If, if Perez hadn't created that space and pushed the defensive line so far back into the box, Madison wouldn't have been able yeah. to crack a shot. You actually, like, that just shows how good Rodgers is tactically because we've seen so few teams be able to get Liverpool in those positions. And Leicester uh, were only able to do it once, but they capitalised. And I think that's what, that's what it's going to take to beat Liverpool. But I just, talking about Alexander Arnold, I just want to talk about the other fullback from Leicester, Ben Chilwell. I think he's now the best English fullback other than or best English left back I should say obviously Alexander Arnold on the right over mm-hmm. there but I just I would love to see him in a Liverpool or in a Man City he again had the most touches for Leicester in a side that um, again lost the possession count he did the thing that makes me want him to play in a top top team is that he only went at 58 percent Turned it over almost half the time he touched the ball. And that's probably because the amount of the Liverpool press. Exactly. He didn't like, have the time. He and was space belting it up the pitch more often than he would have liked. He had to. Yeah, exactly. So I just think, like, if, you know, almost swap Robertson and Chuel at half time, and I wonder who would have had the better half. Mm. Like, obviously, any player benefits from being in a good system and in a good team. Everybody looks better than they are when their team's good, and everyone looks a little bit worse than they are when their team's bad. But I think Ben Chilwell stands out in a loss. Ben Chilwell stands out in a team that had one shot on target and two shots for the whole game. Imagine what he could do in a top, top team. I'm excited to see what he can do in the Euros next year. For uh, uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see how he fares in the summer. Maybe not in January, but uh, in, in, in the 2020 transfer window to see if the big clubs were going to come chasing for him. Yeah, well, the, the fullback situation for a lot of these top clubs, like, they're always trying to... I think Liverpool are the mould now. Like, they've seen what Liverpool have been able to do. And we've seen City drop 350 mil in a summer just... Or in two summers on fullbacks alone. Yeah. And to see... Just to try and find one that works. Exactly. So they brought in five or six. And to be honest with you, it shows. It shows when you have quality fullbacks. And yeah. it's probably a very underrated position for a lot of the top six teams. in the modern game, it just keeps getting more and more important. Anyway, it was Liverpool's 17th consecutive win. Uh, 43 games unbeaten at home now. 
and they're the fir- first team to win eight ma- matches in a row at the start of the season twice. They also did it in the 1991 season. Oofed. So are they champions for you, Woody? Look, I, I, I'm going to say yes, but I don't want to see the race stop because we saw how we saw how boring that uh, Manchester City title was a few years ago when they finished 19 points ahead of United. Ahead of United at the end of the season, that was just oh so boring because you don't want to see runaway wins. You yeah, want to no. see similar to when City won uh, and they scored the last minute in win. the last minute. Aguero scored that last minute. That's actually in our intro. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that won City the league over United. But I think the team that we want to see improve just for the sake of the competition is Manchester City. Yeah, yeah, they're the only ones that look likely to be able to challenge them, Only obviously. ones. Yeah. And, and it seems like the rest of the top six will be flailing to even make the top four. I know. Well, speaking of Man City, are we going to move on to them? Because I, think, I think we should. We're going to move over to the city of Manchester. As we said, they're in turmoil, so we're going to start with Man City. And Nuno Santo has pulled off another defensive masterclass, which we've been looking for all season. Because we knew what he was capable, what his teams are capable of after the last season. Absolutely reminiscent of the last season. I'm going to hit you a stat straight up, Damo. All right, hit me. And I've gone off script here a little bit because okay. it, is, it struck me during the week. Since Nuno Santo came into the league, Wolves had beaten the the top six, the top six teams being Liverpool, United, Tottenham, uh, Arsenal. Uh, in, wait, City. And, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, so they've beaten the top six each once. Yep. United twice and Arsenal twice. In all competitions. In, in all so competitions. FA Cup and stuff like that. Yep. Yep. Now, that says something about the resilience of this team. And I know I had them finishing sixth this season. And it's probably not going to happen. But gee whiz, they looked bloody good against City, didn't they? Mate, the managerial awareness from Nuno oh. to Chuck Traore oh. as a striker with like oh. 15 minutes to go. Unbelievable. I, like Otamendi and Fernandinho couldn't couldn't cope. They just could not cope. Both goals were almost identical. They were identical. They were absolutely identical. And it's something that I I mentioned a little bit in our in our group chat. Fernandinho and Otamendi looked so slow in defence. We and actually out of sync. we disagreed here a little bit. I thought Fernandinho was actually doing quite well. And you said to me that you you weren't as impressed, and I I thought it was stiff. And and I wasn't impressed because I saw the way he played, and he was pretty rash with his challenges. I thought the he was he was aggressive. And I thought he, he got laid short from Otamendi a few times, though. On the other yeah, hand, look, I, clearly they're I think out of sync. They're out of sync. sync as well, but hundred percent out of sync. Now that that might be a bit of a struggle because they both are lacking. They're not the fastest centre-backs. And I think Laporte and Stones, Stones especially, leave them in the dust in terms of pace. Yep. And I think when they play someone like Troyer and someone that plays counter, counter-attacking teams and potentially could happen with Leicester in a few weeks as well. All right? Yeah, Leicester can cause them trouble in the past as well. Exactly. Because if, if the Wolves have produced an absolute blueprint on how to defend against City and get them on the counter. With... with Fernandinho and Otamendi looking as slow as they did and as rash in the challenges, Jimenez tore them to Mate, they could bits. have been 2-0 up in the first half, if not 3-0. They, Mate, missed, they missed two or three good chances. Don't even get me stoned. Mate, Raul even. Jimenez just didn't want to use his left foot and he was looking for the penalty early in the game. I couldn't believe yeah, it. And, and Citron, Citron yeah, and yeah. Well. That Fire. name gets me. I sort of avoided yeah, saying yeah. his name there. If, I was hoping you would say it. If they learned how to use their left foot, gee whiz, they would be 2-0 <laughs> up at halftime. Uh, it was, there, it is, was, there is one common denominator, though, between the Norwich loss and the Wolves loss, and that's Kevin De Bruyne not playing. Yeah. And we know how good this guy is, so I'm not gonna, we don't need to talk about... Kevin De Bruyne and how good he is and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's worth noting that when he's not playing, there's just, you know, Mares. If Mares doesn't, if you hold Mares, where does the attacking flair come from? Because you've and got Rod- Bernardo, Bernardo Silva didn't start. No, he didn't. And there's also a little bit of controversy surrounding him at the moment because of his, you know, arguably racist tweet, tweet. towards uh, Benjamin Mendy, but we won't yep. go into that. But he might not, he might not be playing too much football for the next few weeks depending on how hard mm. the FA come down on him. So I just think like, you know, you've got Rodri, obviously Fernandinho is now in defense. And who else is there in that midfield? Gundogan's not a creator. Like David Silva was poor. He was poor and he was held 
he was held very, um, very well. Ruben Neves held him very tightly, yeah. very tightly during the game. I think, yeah. Look, look. Sterling's a finisher. You're not expecting Sterling to whip balls into the and, box too often, are you? Aguero was getting double teamed. Yeah. They were pressing him. They were pressing him very, very hard. Um, and they they were sort of sandwiching him a little bit in defence. And and they just they just gave them no room whatsoever. Uh, I think we got to think like the, the average height. I know we're going to real specifics here, but the average height of the city front line was 5'7", compared to the average back line of Wolves, <clears throat> excuse me, being 6'3". And mm. do you know how many crosses they had? How many? They had 35 crosses for the game. Mate, that is frustrating. That's David Moyes' that's, areas that's from Pep. frustrating. That is David Moyes-like. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's you just don't see a successful city game when they are relying on crosses. That, no, you just don't see it. And when the when the crosses do come, it's not from your traditional spot. It's from your inverted Insi- from a from a KDB inside or a the box. Zivchenko, the, yeah. those kind of guys. Doing exactly, it exactly. So from I think that different yeah, angle. City were definitely getting frustrated with the, with the defensive stinginess of of the Wolves, and I think it showed in the first twenty five minutes. City were pushing so hard, pushing so hard for 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 a break because usually they crack teams in the first twenty minutes. That's something we've seen all season, last few years. But in the first 25 minutes, Wolves had three chances to City's two, despite having 74% of the possession. Yeah, it's so we saw crazy. what Wolves, we saw what Wolves were going to do. Pep could see what the Wolves were going to do: play on the counter, and then yet they couldn't play on the counter. So they, they couldn't they couldn't defend the counter. Sorry, City, because they gave away the ball cheaply and looked so questionable defensively, and they were committing to their man so so early. So when you have a pacing, when you have clearly skilled strikers in. Um, Jimenez and Sutron, and then Traore as well. With with the pace that he has, the man is a beast. Yeah. But when you have when you have players who you know are not necessarily just hold up strikers, but have the ability to pass and dish it off, City was being sucked in. Yeah. I, I, I could not believe the defense from City. That, I think Pep Pep was a little bit stunned. Not stunned, but I feel like he had a sense of. Uh, he was out of control of what was going to happen. He could see it coming, and his record against Nuno Santos is pretty poor as well. He's only won twenty five percent of the time he's played against him. No, all right, he's only played him four times. It's not like they have a massive, massive history. But I just think like Pep was Pep really needed a goal, and he knew obviously I'm going Michael Owen areas here. Of course they <laughs> needed a goal, but they needed a goal just to make sure that they didn't have to overcommit late in the game because. A, a draw for City was almost as good as a loss. Oh, yeah. So, and it, that's it, the situation it, for them now. Because every, every point loss, every point lost... Is a loss. Is a loss. Yeah. Is a loss. Especially with Liverpool looking how confident they are. City need to... What what happened last season, all right? When, when, when teams get asked about, would you rather be in City's position or would you rather be in Liverpool's position? And I remember... Um, uh, who was it in a in a presser said that you would always want to be? I okay. think it was Mourinho. He said you'd always want to be in City's position because oh yeah 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 in in Liverpool's position and and City this season so much pressure. There's so much pressure because you're playing two games. You're playing the emotional game of Liverpool's game where you have to watch them win, and then you have to go out and try and match the result. Yeah, Liverpool consistently playing first. Exactly. Are they? Yeah. That, I, I don't care what anyone says. That has an influence, so positive or negative. One hundred percent. Well, City, City are playing two emotional, an emotional game a week plus the game they're playing. Yeah. So that's going to take a serious taxing toll coming into the, the you know the the big Christmas period of the season where so many games are pumped out. Well, going from one shit show in Man in <laughs> Manchester, we're going to head over to Newcastle where a Manchester shit show is going on the road. Now, would he cue the violins for me? <laughs> you loved it, mate. You loved it. Mate, I just... I almost have no words. You might just have to listen to violins with dead air for a bit here. I'm absolute... Like, I have no words. I have watched Louis Van Gaal put... Uh, I, Louis Van Gaal put me to sleep, okay? <laughs> and Mourinho at least made me laugh sometimes with his antics on the side, but his football was shit ass as well. We brought Ollie in so that we'd score goals. We went 141 minutes, if you include the Europa League, without having a shot on target. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I just... Right, stop, stop the violence. Get was, cut it. Cut. it was, yeah, all right, we'll cut that, cut that. It was so promising. First game. Four goals past Chelsea. Mate, United, United have scored 
more than one goal once in their last 16 games. And I was there at the Chelsea game. Do you know how thankful I feel? (laughs) It's ridiculous. Far out, mate. They are so bad to uh, watch. We, we've got to steer away from the emotion. <laughs> and, I, and I turned it off at halftime as well. I couldn't watch mate, it. Mate, you left me alone. You were like, dude, I, gotta, I, I can't watch this Watch this anymore. I was like, no, don't, you can't leave me. We're going to concede. Like, you just knew it was going to happen. But wait, let's just steer away from the emotional, you know, like, talk of crap, bad shit. Okay? Let's just actually look at what the hell happened. Let's anal- analyze the game properly. Okay. I'll, st- I'll stick a player for you, okay? Yep. Fred. Yep. 95 passes. Yep. 12 of them went forward. <laughs> now, Fred said during after the game, oh, like, you know, uh, he got asked about his performance and criticisms and stuff. And he's like, you know, at typical, like, oh, not all people understand the game, blah, blah, blah. Every player says that. I, I, I'm a big believer in that we can sit here and criticize players, but at the end of the day, everybody involved in football in-house knows more than us we can never claim to know more but fred also did say that he likes reading criticism because he can learn from it i think that's a great attitude to have Mm. learn how to pass forward mate (laughs) seriously like him and nemanja matic fight for the spot next to mctominay mate pass the ball forward they're giving the spots away honestly giving the spot away it's ridiculous, and but I think we can't like credits to Newcastle here. We're gonna talk about Maddie Longstaff yeah, as mate, well. The Longstaff brothers in general, they absolutely they controlled that game. Controlled that game. Both leading passes for Newcastle in the game. Matthew was the highest passer for Newcastle throughout the game, and it was his first bloody game. He scored, and he's, he actually became the first, the youngest player to score in his Premier League debut for Newcastle United, and no doubt, no doubt, will be pinching himself in a few years, knowing that his debut goal came against a home win against United. Oh, you can't get any better than that for him. Like, you couldn't help, like, obviously I wasn't smiling at the time. But you you look at that and it was just like, that's fantastic to see, like, another young player coming through in the Premier League. It's it's unbelievable. Like, obviously we spoke about uh, Connolly earlier for Brighton. There's kids coming through and scoring against big clubs, not mm. just scoring, you know, no disrespect to, like, a Norwich who just conceded five. But, like, if an Aston Villa 19-year-old came on over the weekend and scored the fifth... Okay, it's big. But these, these guys are playing this... scoring against Tottenham and Man United. Yeah. It's massive. Mm. Like, this is unheard of a few seasons ago. That's how bad the top, the top clubs are going at the moment. And I, honestly, with, with the top six looking as vulnerable as they do, apart from Liverpool and possibly City on, on their day, you know, it is, it is ripe for the taking for these, for these lower, uh, mid to low table yeah, it's teams exciting for them. to take points off these guys. It's exciting for them. I mean, when... You, a Man United striker has one touch in the opposition box after 70 minutes. I'm not here to slate Marcus Rashford because he looks absolutely spent. I don't know why he's playing for England next weekend or ne- yeah, whenever England play. He should definitely make himself unavailable. I mean, my grandmother runs faster than him at the moment. He's absolutely cooked. I feel bad for him because we have no other options, but we have to play him. So talking about United away record, 11 away games without a win in a row now. Their lowest total after eight games since 1990 and they've earned 17 points since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was appointed as official manager Liverpool have won 17 games since you, since Ole got in charge far out far out I, I Steve Bruce's first win against United after 24 attempts as well. massive and I think one thing that really probably sums up we talked about Tottenham's back end attitude now looking at what is going on in the dressing room David De Gea's post-match presser it was one he of the more sad things. He was a broken man. It was sad, he was it? he was sniffling tears, sniffling tears. He had he the man has no clue what is going on. And for someone that's just signed he a massive, quite literally has deal, a front row seat to it all as well. He did you see? Uh, they asked him, "Is this you've been here during some difficult times? Is where does this rank? Like, is this the worst?" He said, and he and he said, "Yes." He said, "This is the worst." Like, that's very out of character. Usually you hear a player come back and say, like, you know, we'll address it during the week. We'll fight back. We're we're Man United. You know, all that sort of stuff. But he's just flat out. Can I just address that now? We've been been fans for a long time. Long time of United. Mm -hmm. All right? And I have to say now, because we are no longer, we can't rely on this aura anymore. Mate, kissing the badge after your your score doesn't make you a United Embarrassment. Embarrassment. It's, look, it's very hard not to get emotional about it. And I'm sure people are going to be quite enjoying it, aren't they? Our mates, 
and football, yeah, fellow football, give it to us, Man United haters are going to be enjoying listening to this. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is a really difficult time for Man United, and I think uh, there was a leak came out during the week as well from a uh, unknown source that said a quote: "We've just got to get to find a way to get to January." Like. How can you be that unplanned? Like th- this isn't just a poor performance or a bad month. Like this is, this has stemmed from a series of very, very bad recruitment decisions, coaching decisions. I mean, we can talk about the Glazers and Ed Woodward all we want. Like we know that there's a lot of um, you know, criticism heading their way at the moment. But you know, a one nil loss to Newcastle, who were favourites to get relegated at the start of the year, the start of the season, I should say. That 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 just that doesn't happen because you have an off day. Okay. You can you can have an off day once, but that happened against West Ham and Crystal Palace and Wolves. I mean, we thought one one or Wolves was a good result, but all I'm saying is all these terrible decisions have led up to this, and I think United just might have to cop finishing. You know, just stay in the league, and we got uh, we figure it out next season and sign some bloody players. But this is a bit of a segue into a new segment, isn't it, Woody? It is, and I just just want to point out. Despite the disappointment and despite the absolute rage that is that is going on here in the studio, this new segment brings light to <laughs> questions that we might not have thought possible. Uh, it's, it's it's something else, isn't it, Woody? Yeah. And, it, and Damo, w- would you like to introduce your maiden solo segment? It is time for Damon's Dilemma. <laughs> all right so damon's dilemma basically what it's going to be is not not maybe not every week but whenever i feel i'm going to pose a massive questions a massive question uh well in this case just to woody but hopefully when sam returns he'll be able to contribute some way um we'll see but this is a bit of a uh test run we'll say for this week my question is out of the leicester starting 11 who comes out for a man united player and we, they both one plays a four two three one, one plays a four three three. We'll just say four defenders, three midfielders, and three attackers. But obviously, it depends on which players we pick and how we want to set up. Keeper, I will say David De Gea, but it's a lot closer than people might think. Mm. Schmeichel's a very very good shot stopper, which so is David De Gea. But yeah, I'm happy to have De Gea in there. Uh, Chilwell, who I spoke about already, probably I'd uh, say Chilwell because Shaw has not been impressive. Young. Well, Not even in contention. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then we look at also... Marcus Rojo, maybe Marcus no. Marcus Rojo, no. <laughs> David Williams, the guy... Is it David Williams? He hasn't even played in the Premier League yet. He's played like one game in exactly. Europe. Exactly. No. No. So... Not through lack of skill, but maybe through lack of competition. Yeah. Chilwell definitely has the spot. Yep. Centre-back? Uh, yeah, Maguire be both? Well... Is he, is he technically both? I'm actually not a huge fan of Johnny Evans, but to be fair, he's proved me wrong over the last six months. He's had a great start and end to last season. Yep. But um, Harry Maguire's replacement. Soyuncu. You got me. I really can't pronounce that name at all. Solkan Soyuncu. Yeah. That's how you say it. I think he. I think he has to be in the team. And he has I, to be. I'm happy to put Maguire over Maguire over Evans just for the sake of it. Yep. Right back. Pereira. Uh, Pereira. Yeah, yeah. You have to put over not on the sofa. Yep. Uh, center mid, probably have to go Tillemans. Tillemans and, and Didi for sure. Yep. Uh, and then I probably wouldn't even look at United's one. I'd probably have to say James Madison's in there as well. You wouldn't have Pogba? Uh, okay, you'll do that because we'll stick Madison on the wing. On the right wing? Left wing. I wouldn't put James in that team. I'd put Martial. I'd put Martial. No. Nah. You're not going to have Martial? Form alone, James Madison. Okay, but who who's on the right wing then? Right wing? Yeah. Uh, probably go Barnes, maybe. Really? Yep. Obviously, Vardy's striker. Yep. Barnes. For the season that they're having, Barnes. All right. Well, I'd I'd put Martial at left wing and put Madison right, but we'll agree to dis- disagree yeah, on that. The dilemmas have arisen. We'll say there's what two, uh, three United players, maybe four if we're being generous, because we've added Pogba purely based on reputation. And probably David De Gea on reputation. Yep. If we're talking about this season, only Maguire makes the team. Yep, and that's lucky, considering the amount of attacking chances he's missed in the last few weeks. Yeah. (laughs) 
All righty, right. let's jump straight into it, Damo. Winners and losers is back. Winners back again. Losers. Back again. No Sammy for the first time ever in the winners and losers segment. Damo, do you want to kick us off? I will. It's Crystal Palace for mine. Woody, I know you're a huge fan of Crystal Palace. You I like, am. You, you, love, you love the uh, Seagulls. But, um, uh, yeah, 1-0 down against West Ham away from home. And IU, who is quickly becoming a fan favourite. called Palace of Seagulls. Yeah. Is that Brighton? Palace of oh. the Eagles, mate. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a real, real EPL supporter right there for you. Anyway, oh, no. Palace, keep going, mate. Go on. I'm, I'm really shattered about that. But anyway, yeah, no. Palace, <laughs> we're... We're we're out really good, and you know they're now sit sixth. I is becoming a massive fan favourite, been outstanding as I said. Van Arnholt has scored another last minute winner. He did it at Old Trafford, and now he's done it here uh, at the West Ham Stadium, forever blowing bubbles. And uh, Palace goalkeeper Guiata, yeah, mate, he's been unreal. Yeah, just the four saves on the weekend. Three shots, three of those shots came from inside the box. But I thought I thought he's been outstanding. He's been arguably. Goalkeeper of the season. He might surpass Lloris now, obviously, because Lloris can't fight for his spot. And also, a quick other thing, Gary Cahill has been a fantastic, fantastic pickup for them, giving them that extra bit of experience that they needed. Blokes like Kelly, his fellow centre-back, really stepped up, doing wonders for my fantasy Premier League team. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Palace, despite their uh, shaky off-season with the Zaha stuff, Zaha's not even playing well. And they sit sixth. Woody, who is your winner? Mate, my winner of the week is Aston Villa. Far out. They, they are showing us some, some tools in their arsenal. Some absolute weapons. Finally hitting the scoreboard. Deserving some, these. Well. They haven't been bad. Oh, well and truly. They put five past their uh, fellow newly promoted opponents in Norwich. The Pookie Party was not firing today. <laughs> so statistically, Norwich had a better game, uh, but the villains took their their chances, no doubt about that. And they're, Wesley. And their $22 million Wesley. signing, the Brazilian man, Wesley. <laughs> nabbed two goals and an assist and probably should have had a hat trick considering he missed a penalty. And fun fact, Damo, yep. Statman's gone deep here. All right. Aston Villa are the first promoted side to score at least five away goals in a Premier League match in 18 years since Bolton Wanderers did so at Leicester City oh, in August yeah. He's 2001. looked through every single fixture for the last 18 years to find that stat. Absolute I have. I have. I've gone deep. Workhorse. Gone deep. I'm a stat man. <laughs> Damo, who's your loser of the week? Mate, my loser is Messi Ozil. And you can say he's... Uh, despite what you said about me last week, Messi Ozil is your loser of the season. <laughs> All right. Ozil was not included in the squad on, on the weekend. And, he ha- and that's like his third game running now without being in the squad. I don't know what's up with him, but look, here on the, here at the nightclub, we don't like to go early on rumours or claim that we know things that aren't true or are true. We, we just, prefer to leave it to late in the night, yeah, don't we? Yeah, we, we just give the news once it's already news. We're just saving people a Google search and they can just click play on our podcast. Agreed, Woody? 100% agreed. But we're going to give them something here that... We're the people's podcast. We are. And I'm not sure if this is 100% true or 100% fake or anywhere in between. But there are some sneaky things going around on social media that Mercer Urza was asked to do some additional training with the under-23s team whilst the team were away for the Europa League. Apparently, he offered two coaches £20,000 so that he could skip it, and they all they had to do was just say that he performed well to the coaches that were obviously away. Good evening. Apparently, the... <laughs> Apparently the club found out and they're dealing with it internally and that's why he's not in the squad. Now, I'm not saying this is true, but if there is any truth to this, that might be the end of Mesut Ozil for any... Mate, I think I think the end of Mesut Ozil was three weeks ago. Yeah. Honestly, Mate, I don't think... Borderline is, 12 months ago. I don't think... I don't think yeah, Gunners, yeah. The, <laughs> I don't think this is the stick in the sand. That man is... He's he, right. He's, he's, he's laughing at them losing... Last uh, was it last week they lost? Yeah, yeah. Oh last week. Fire out, mate. Torreira is their best creative midfielder, according and he's to a according, <laughs> according to Good Evening. All right, Woody, who's your loser? Ah, uh, mate, Everton, Everton. Yeah. It, it has to be. It has to be. I'm Everton. just gonna say I called this, but anyway, go on. You did, but probably not at the right time. But you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. And Damo, you, you did you did very well in picking this because you picked out tactical flaws very early on before that everyone was seeing him. 
and you've you've caught me off guard. You've done well. And here. they've played one team in the top six, and, man. And, I, and I'm fo- I'm following suit. Everton lost yet again. Burnley away days. They're now in the relegation zone and don't even look like moving out of it anytime soon. West Ham, Brighton, Tottenham. Next three. How many points do you reckon they need in order to give their fans a smidgen of hope for the season? I'll give them a win against Brighton and a point against either West Ham or Tottenham, I think, would be not not good, but they can't expect so you, you nine think points. They need to draw even four points out of a potential nine. Yeah, I think like you can't really like you know you can only play who's in front of you. You can't ask them to beat Tottenham, West Ham, and Brighton based on their current form. You have got to start start somewhere. And I again here on the nightclub, we don't call for sackings. I think managers should be given lots more time than they are. But uh, Silver might be out out the door sooner rather than later for mine. I think Sammy, time. Sammy, you have a pretty good stat last week that Silver's time is ticking. It is. Silver's time is ticking. So, Woody, does that pretty much wrap up our show? I reckon that's that's all we've got time for today. I think, thanks, thanks for coming, kids. <laughs> I think we did pretty well, didn't we, Woody? We did well. We did, we did well. well. We did well without Sam. Yeah. I think we did okay. Our, our uh, scapegoat. A scapegoat man who, who yeah, often who, cops most of the blame. Yeah, I couldn't be... There was no butt of the jokes today. It was hard. Yeah, so... I think I think we I think we've done well. We've done we've done well. I'm yeah, happy. I'm happy with that. Yep. And Mate, we've looked at more games than ever before. Feeling happy. Damo's got his first solo skit. You know Looking you know what would make me even more happy? What? If people checked out the Twitter at EPL Nightclub. And the Insta at Premier League Nightclub. Give it a follow. Look at the unbelievable graphic work the Woodman does. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And uh there's a new uh, goal of the week from uh uh, Douglas, Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise. He he knows how to hit a ball. He does. He is our first man to receive it twice. The prestigious Premier League nightclub podcast goal of the week twice. And we're only eight weeks in. We should let him know. I'm sure he's absolutely buzzing yeah, we'll, about we'll it. DM him because he would be a ripper, ripper, uh, a ripper guest on the podcast, wouldn't he, Damo? He would be, and we've. We've got. We won't give it away, but we got some. We we hope you enjoyed Tom Morris a few weeks ago. We won't, you know, dwell on Tom Morris in the past now. Just thanks for him to come in, for coming on. But it's time to maybe go on to something even bigger. But we can't. Maybe a cut of the same cloth as well, to an extent. Maybe, but we don't want to give away too much, just in case he says no to us. So, but I hope we all know the <laughs> groundwork is being done. We're doing it for the people, like Mate, always on the Premier League nightclub. We're scoping the people that are entering the nightclub. <laughs> To make a move. We're the bouncers at the door. We make sure only the best, the absolute best. Yeah. Potentially potentially a few drinks here and there. We'll loosen them up. Loosen them up. Get the best content And possible. get an absolute boogie on the infinity floor. Let's do it. Thank Let's you, everyone. It. See you, guys. Bye-bye.